Hello, I am Jeremy Kingsbury. This is Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, the show where you come along with me as I explore the likely repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Let's listen to some tunes. Hello, and today on the episode, we're going to do a couple things. I'm going to revisit some stuff, got a new segment, uh, talk about tunes that we've played in the past and messages I've received. Uh, and then I'm going to start uh, kind of what I imagine will be my go-to uh, running out of time episode, uh, which is kind of doing playthroughs of various collections. So uh, I've already played a couple tunes out of Jackson's uh, collection of celebrated Irish music. Um, today we're going to play kind of the first few tracks and uh, play some of the correlations of other things in there as well. Um, but the whole list of tunes that we're playing today, we've got... Um, so a new tune, we're going to have Mail Coach uh, from Anderson's kind of collection. It's a pocket companion of Highland Stress-based country dances uh, from the 1820s probably, but I'm just going to use it as a sting moving forward. Uh, then from that Jackson book, we've got um, the Cozy Jig, or Cossy Jig, uh, Pither In Enough, and The Figure of Three. And then from O'Farrell, we've got Jackson's Made at the Fair and Jackson's Punch Bowl, which are like other tunes in Jackson's book. Uh, and then from Angus Mackay, just because I want to, <laughs> um, recorded this a while back and haven't had it on the podcast yet. We've got the Grays of Tully Met, or the Brays of Tully Met. Uh, and then we're also going to hear uh, Hitter Between the Legs from William Dixon again, and um, and then Whipper and Gerter from uh, Sutherland's The the Drummond Castle manuscript, rather. So uh, those are the tunes. But first, we're going to do our new segment of uh, kind of mail coach. So uh, I get some pretty awesome, quite clever, and uh, in- intelligent and informed emails every episode. So I'm trying to find a way to formalize talking about them. So that's going to be this new segment called the mail coach. So this first time, I'm going to have, uh, I'll play the whole tune of the mail coach. I'll probably do a simplified version of it. Um, going forward uh, as another sound sting. Anyway, here is the mail coach from, like I said, Anderson's collection from the 1820s of Scottish trespass and reels. So the first thing, uh, like I say, one of the joys of doing this podcast has been uh, receiving emails and messages from listeners um, and often kind of realizing how much work, like just the history of bagpipes has obviously been an interesting pursuit for people for generations. Um, and it's just great that there's so many people that have kind of already gone on this this journey that I feel like I'm going on um, and their willingness to kind of share information and resources resources with me. So, uh, like I said, feel free to, to email in. It's always a treat to hear from people. Um, 
one of the people I hear from the most, um, and definitely makes me think about bagpipe music and history quite a lot uh, better, I think, uh, certainly differently, but uh, Keith Sanger emailed in about Rosalind Castle, uh, just to kind of clarify some date things that um, that tradition, or the account that I read from was a little off, um, but also, kind of more importantly, uh, well anyway, so the castle was built around 1446, chapel started around the same time, Keith says. He also pointed out that there's kind of an interesting american tradition both the the tune as uh, you know shows up in america during the american revolution uh, but also the person that kind of saw the building of roslyn castle claimed to have um, discovered america before anyone else but i i think uh yeah people claim that i i have to i'd have to look into this more to see because i doubt william sinclair is going around saying i got there i, I found this place why isn't anybody caring um there's a string of like shortly after columbus like, I, I fully believe that there are lots of people that made it to um, the Americas from Europe before Columbus, but um, shortly after Columbus discovers, oh God, not discovers, but makes it to America, oh, discovering a place that's already inhabited by a ton of people, uh, pet peeve, and I just fell into it. Um, but shortly after, you know, 1492, as it, well, as it becomes clear that there's, you know, wealth and resources and new lands for Europeans to, to try to take over and, and extract resources from, uh, lots of people start claiming, oh, no, 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 uh, we already been there. Uh, and you'll still see that today uh, in kind of museums and bizarre things of like various <sighs> Prince Modoc. There's like this whole thing. And, and it kind of plays into uh, early colonizers and even late colonizers like Thomas Jefferson really bought into this idea that there's a Welsh prince that uh, had, you know, colonized the Americas before Columbus showed up. Um, and they, anytime there was a group of indigenous people that uh, seemed to be more, you know, quote unquote, civilized than colonizers were expecting, they would come up with the excuse that, oh, no doubt, these are the descendants of Prince Modak or, or some other group of people. But uh, according to Keith, uh, William Sinclair kind of fits into that. And the evidence for it is there are some uh, vegetation carved into the chapel that supposedly only grows in America. So uh, kind of, it's interesting. I'd like to dig into that a little bit more, but especially with the Orkney connection, like, yeah, we, we know for damn sure um, that, uh, you know, Vikings or Norse uh, seamen made it to North America um, a long time before the 1490s. But uh, anyway, interesting stuff. The other thing that's really more relevant for bagpiping history, of course, is uh, I had totally forgotten uh, and Keith reminded me that like Roslyn Castle has maybe the oldest depiction of a bagpiper uh, in Scotland uh, kind of carved into the carved into the walls so it's actually I hope that's going to be the artwork for this um, for this episode you can see the carved bagpiper there's some angel bagpipers and the various uh, decorations there and I think it's in Roslyn Chapel technically so I will uh, include some links in the descriptions anyway, or in the show notes to to look at various images of those uh, bagpipers from Roslyn Castle if you are interested. Uh, the next one, the next email I got, um, I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, I'm still kind of not sure how to talk about it, but uh, it made me revisit William Dixon tunes, which I'm always a fan of. So um, maybe I'll just play it first. Um, I like I said, I have been more than a little obsessed with um, with border tunes and Dixon tunes lately. So um, 
yeah, I got an email uh, about Whipper and Girder or Hitter Between the Legs. So I'll just play through. I re-recorded uh, Hitter Between the Legs from William Dixon's collection on Small Pipes. So we'll just plug that in here, and then that'll give me a chance to find that email again and look at it. So the email uh, that I got in uh, is from a listener named Phil, who is kind of watching some of the William Dixon tunes I posted on YouTube. And uh, yeah, he just was sort of echoing some of the sentiments that uh, Matt Seattle had that, you know, it shouldn't read too much um, 
negativity into these tunes. But more explicitly, Phil pointed out, uh, and Traditional Tune Archive has this too, that the tunes, many of the names of this melody uh, kind of can be read as not only a double entendre for um, sex, but also for barrel making, um, which I'm quite fond of the idea. Uh, I've talked before on this podcast about how I'm a little obsessed with uh, those water carriers in Edinburgh. Um, so yeah, having a whole set of things I can talk about um, <laughs> will be great. Um, plus, this is just such an awesome tune that shows up for such a long time in various collections. But yeah, Hooper and Gerdher, like even, like I said, traditional tune archives narrations talks about like, oh yeah, this is probably barrel making, uh, hit her between the legs, uh, you know, you do wind up doing a fair amount of like standing over thing, especially if you're trying to put the lid back on a barrel, you know, you loosen up the staves a little bit so they're flexible and then you get, you know, you can wedge the lid in the end of the, the barrel into place and then whack it probably standing over it to kind of bounce it into place and then put more hoops over it to tighten it up. Um, I'm a very bad Cooper. I've made one, I've worked on one barrel um, with a, with a buddy that is at the time was also a very amateur barrel maker, but uh, at least had taken a class on it. And it was sort of remarkable. The process of making a barrel uh, is such a nightmare to get all the staves to kind of hold and hold in place. Um, I remember really delicately trying to, uh, we were using cedar too, so it was quite easy, but trying to get these cedar staves in place with uh, the one hoop uh, and then to kind of bend it to, there's a couple ways you can bend the staves in because uh, when you attach it on one end, it, it kind of flares out like a flower and you've got to pull those ends in. Uh, you can use a windlass and kind of winch it down. Um, but generally what you do is you put fire to it too and adding heat on the inside of the barrel makes it really flexible. But yeah, after like really delicately doing this kind of awkward Jenga thing of trying to get the staves into that barrel position, then you light a fire inside it um, and the fire changes, you know, the wood becomes more flexible. But it must have taken taken us like 20 minutes to get the staves in place the first time uh, where it stayed because it, it fell apart so many times. Then we lit the fire and then it started on fire and it collapsed again. <laughs> so we had to like frantically put these cedar staves back into barrel position before they burned too much because um, you still needed the fire to get them into shape. But uh, yeah, it really felt like a trial by fire moment of... Um, getting faster and faster and faster <laughs> to um to be able to do it so I, I imagine after your barrel has failed and fallen apart so many times you get pretty pretty fast at it but uh anyway so uh thanks very much for emailing in uh, uh phil and uh yeah so i was kind of looking at it and like i said i like this tune uh dixon obviously published it in his tune book uh I had an episode all talking about this uh, last season, a link in the notes. I also talked about kind of slang and double entendre in, in folk music um, and kind of the issue of, of consent and stuff in that episode on um, Cock Up Your Beaver. So if you're new to the podcast, uh, you might want to go back and dig through the archives and listen to those podcasts from season four. Um, yeah, anyway, so I wanted to play another version of this tune, and it's actually the first tune in the uh, Drummond Castle manuscript, so I think I might do a playthrough of the Drummond Castle manuscript, too. Uh, it's from, I think, 1734. Uh, anyway, so this is the Drummond Castle manuscript setting for uh, Hooper and Gerter, uh, which I think in that manuscript is actually called... Let me scroll up. 
Whipper and Gird her. Yeah. So anyway, I just played through it on Whistle, and here's for you to enjoy, and then we'll get cracking on the rest of the podcast. So I would like to kind of start a new trend. Uh, I really enjoyed the Robert Bremner series of uh, episodes that I did uh, on season four, just for like having a theme and holding everything around it. Uh, but it wound up being a lot of research, uh, and I do think there might be some value in just playing through all these tunes. Uh, certainly inspired a little bit by Paul Anderson, just playing through all of these different fiddle collections, um, but also just for the sake of the podcast, it gives me an easy thing to do that I don't wind up having to spend a ton of uh, time researching on, but can just kind of play the music and see if anything jumps out at me. Um, anyway, so that is kind of what we're doing today. We're starting a playthrough of uh, Jackson's celebrated Irish tunes. Uh, so this book was published in 1774 in Dublin, uh, the Piper, Walker Jackson, is a famous uh, gentleman piper, and there's lots and lots and lots of tunes attributed to him. Uh, there's a pretty wonderful article by Brendan... Uh, Brendan... Brennock? I'm not sure that I got that pronunciation right. Um, but uh, Brendan's article uh, from just talks about uh, just how many tunes there are and how it's clear that they aren't actually all written by him. And in starting this you know, process of playing through the tunes for the episode this week, it's kind of interesting to see already that the first three tunes in the book, uh, two of them, uh, none of those three first three tunes do Jackson call Jackson's fill in the blank, uh, like Jackson's Morning Brush or Jackson's Punchbowl or that sort of thing. Um, but two of those tunes show up in other collection as Jackson's tunes um so it's kind of interesting to see already by the time o'farrell is publishing there are lots of tunes being attributed to jackson that jackson himself didn't uh claim uh so yeah so that's what we're gonna be doing uh, is kind of play through a couple of these and that should give me some easy enough themes <laughs> to keep these podcasts going so um we're gonna start with the first tune in the collection this is uh called uh Causey's jig or Causey's jig um Jackson's setting for it is a little funky. Uh, it's quite different from O'Farrell's. Uh, if I can find my old recording of O'Farrell's setting, I'll plug it in after here. But um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting interesting tune. So here is the first tune in Jackson's celebrated Irish tunes, Causey's uh, jig. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I had uh, thought I would paste in my playing of O'Farrell setting for this, which she calls Koozie Jig, um, but I, it did not make it into my saved uh, files. Um, I know it was, it was, but anyway, I was looking at it and I recorded it way the heck back, uh, season four, episode five. So if you want to hear O'Farrell setting for Koozie Jig that I play as a set with Noren Kishna, um, you can check that out uh, again in the old old episodes. Uh, I spoke a little too soon saying that uh, Cossie's Jig doesn't have any Jackson names associated with it. Uh, there's quite a few. So um, Jackson's Wife on the Road is the same same tune, uh, uh, basically, from the meager music manuscript collection from 1900. Uh, and then in the Brendan article, uh, he also says that uh, Cozy's Jig is called Jackson's Lodge, but looking at Jackson's Lodge looks like a pretty different tune to me. Um, but uh, I'm sure he's talking about something I am not seeing. So uh, anyway, so there that is uh, Cozy's Jig. Uh, let's do the next one. So the next title is Pitherin' Enough. Um, kind of another fun tune. So this is Jackson's setting for Pitherin' Enough, which people assume is like putting in enough. Uh, is what the traditional tune archive suggests is what that is referring to, uh, like gambling and making sure you ante enough, but not sure. Anyway, here it is, Pithering Enough. Waiting to uh, record Ellen piping until there's just an incredible cold spell and blizzard has translated to some very dry pipes. Um, anyway, so Pethern Enough shows up, I, I think, same tune in O'Farrell's Pocket Book Companion as Jackson's Maid at the Fair. So here is O'Farrell's setting for Jackson's Maid at the Fair.
And the next tune in uh, Jackson's Celebrated Irish Tunes is the figure three. Uh, figure of three, rather. Which sounds like a Sherlock Holmes story or something. Um, but yeah, another one that shows up in O'Farrell is a Jackson tune. But here is uh, Jackson's setting for the figure of three. I was trying to figure out what this might be a reference to. Um, it's interesting, Jackson's bowl of punch, or punch bowl, um, that's what O'Farrell calls this. So, like, it's conceivable to me that there was just some figure three in the bottom of the punch bowl, uh, to be generous to O'Farrell's interpretation. Um, but yeah, if anybody knows what the figure three is a reference to, uh, let me know, and I'll put it in the mail coach section next time. Uh, anyway, cheers, and here is figure three. And like I said, O'Farrell has this as Jackson's punch bowl. Uh, so here is O'Farrell's setting for Jackson's punch bowl. You can hear quite a few similarities between the two different settings.
it seems only fitting that uh, the last part, uh, which is the big addition in O'Farrell's setting from uh, Jackson, is the one that I squeak or, or squeaked the most on. Uh, anyway, so that wraps up our Jackson uh, kind of playthrough for this episode. Um, like I said, there's 13, 13 teams in it, so it's going to take a couple episodes to, to get through them. Uh, I'm not planning to do them all in order, so we'll probably have to wait a little bit before we get to more Jackson tunes. Um, but yeah, I did want to, this episode's going to get out a little bit later than I'd hoped. I uh, wanted to remind everyone it's Bandcamp Friday. Um, I've been really blessed to have a lot of stellar musicians uh, volunteer their efforts on the podcast uh, this, this year. Uh, last year. Uh, so strongly encourage you, you know, Bandcamp Friday is uh, the only time that Bandcamp doesn't take like 15% uh, cut, I think, of the album sales. So if you can go out and, you know, pick up a Charlotte Henderson album or Nicholas Brown uh, or um, Hamish Napier, uh, their stuff's all on Bandcamp. Uh, and uh, Blackie O'Connell's got a lot of stuff on Bandcamp too. He hasn't been on the podcast yet, but he is going to be shortly. And of course, uh, uh, Donald Lindsay, don't forget about History of Sleep, that is also on Bandcamp. Um, but also, selfishly, Oyster Wives Rant is out. So I am releasing Oyster Wives Rant today. Um, so if you haven't picked up a copy yet of my album, um, go ahead and, and do that. <laughs> It'd be awesome. You can listen to the whole thing now. Um, for podcast listeners, uh, the real perk here is these are all some of my favorite tunes that I wanted to remember how to play because I play through so many tunes on the podcast that I kind of lose them, uh, essentially. So uh, having it all as an album has made it a lot easier for me to retain these tunes uh, and if you download it uh, on Bandcamp, a little booklet comes with it that uh, includes links to all the show description and some discussion of, of the tunes, mostly kind of what I've said on the podcast, some stuff a little bit more thorough. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out. Uh, I've had some really generous support. Um, it is clear that people are, are bought the album in order to, to support the podcast. Um, right now we are at... Uh, yeah, 21 people have bought the album, so um, I'm just tickled. Tickled the bits. Um, yeah, do check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, I think I'm going to create kind of a support the podcast tab um, and, you know, get the album on Bandcamp. Um, but I'm going to just have a link to my PayPal for now. Uh, you can find it on a tab on the uh, the podcast website, waytotalk.com. Um, but yeah, if anybody that wants to just kind of donate to support the podcast or uh, support my endeavors here, uh, anyone that donates over $10 via a PayPal uh, donation, I'll send you a link for the album. So, you know, that's like our, that's the NPR perk, right? So give me $10 or more and you'll get a download link. And if you've already bought the album, uh, you can give that link to somebody else and they can download it too. So uh, keep that in mind if you're wanting to support the podcast uh, beyond buying an album uh, or in the future. That's a, a way to do that. Uh, yeah, every time, just, just recently, uh, an old kind of friend from high school just sent me a, just a really generous donation saying, hey, thanks for the music. Um, yeah, so... Thanks, everybody. I appreciate everyone's listening. I uh, appreciate you checking out Bandcamp. Um, yeah, please uh, consider buying the album, uh, but beyond just buying my album, like I said, I'm, I'm really pleased that Hamish Napier and Jarlath Henderson, uh, Nicholas Brown and Donald Lindsay have all 
going to let me play music on here. And uh, like I said, Blackie O'Connell is going to be on the show sometime soon. Um, and his stuff is all up on Bandcamp now, too. So I'll put links to that in the show notes, too. But uh, today is a good day to buy music from uh, an artist on Bandcamp. So uh, there are other people that have contributed music to the show that I'm super appreciative of. Uh, they just don't have a Bandcamp yet. So Paul Anderson, of course, uh, is... Uh, on other, you can stream him and buy his albums elsewhere. Um, but Carrie Dukowski, really appreciate her support. Um, and of course, uh, Tim Anderson and Jeremy Ward, or Tim, not Tim Anderson, uh, Tim McDonald and uh, Jeremy Ward contributed a tune. Um, the album that uh, I played isn't on Bandcamp, but I see that Tim McDonald has another project up, which is a playing through of some Gao tunes. So I'm going to link that as well in the show notes. Cheers. Uh, we're going to go out with a tune from Angus Mackay. This has nothing to do with Jackson, as far as I know. Um, I've, I'm sitting on a couple of tunes that I recorded for what was going to be the first episode of the podcast, and I just haven't used them yet, and the, the file is sort of getting more and more corrupted every time I open it, so I want to get this uh, this Angus Mackay tune out, and plus we haven't had any Highland Pipes on the episode yet. So uh, this is from Angus Mackay's uh, Piper's Assistant book. And it's called the Braze of Tully Met. And uh, like I said, thanks for listening. Um, check out the album on Bandcamp. And I'll be doing a bit of like a live stream party thing for me at 7 o'clock local time on Facebook. So uh, again, I'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, so you can check in. Even if you're not on Facebook, you should be able to attend that. Uh, it's not going to be anything too terribly fancy. I'm planning to open a bottle of whiskey and uh, maybe play a tune or two, but hopefully chat with people so anyway cheers thanks and we'll see you next week uh oh reminder there's been a lot of downloads we passed 10,000 downloads last week uh which blew my mind um and yeah if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast please do uh i'm hoping to uh kind of post an episode soon without advertising it around uh too much except for on my own personal page uh and yeah i'm hoping that i can get to that hundred downloads uh, in the opening weekend without me advertising it and then i'm probably going to quit advertising it around on facebook so uh yeah anyway subscribe to the podcast if you haven't uh, please consider leaving us a review and all that jazz too uh all right cheers finally actually going out uh here is angus mckay's the braise of tolly Met. Mm-hmm.